Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Is this legit? Let's just say, you know, it's missing from Spain. My fee is non-refundable, just like my time. I have royal connections. Those corrupt people, I'm going after them. All people are good. Be good to all people. Are those the guys that you guys are scared of? They don't scare me. I want you to teach me everything you know. I want to go after corruption at high levels of government. You are taking us to a very dangerous place. Sometimes you gotta crack a couple eggs to make an omelet. Welcome to the first failed critics podcast of 2014. We've all recovered from recording the end of the special. We hope you have too. Podcast is going to remain very much the same though for the next 12 months and for today, where we start off with music quiz, then what we've been watching, then some new release reviews, including American Hustle and Mandela Long Walk to Freedom. I'm Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond. Hello. Hello, Hugh. Hello. Uh, so yes, the the uh, the news this week is the foreign language Oscar um, list is out. Yes, the long list. Uh... Soon to be cut into a short. Basically, there's over 80 films were submitted, and these have been whittled down to a long list of nine films. Uh, that what I will just say is, luckily for all of those of you out there who are not au fait with what the what the entire world has had to offer cinematically over the last 12 months. Although I think, yeah, I think it's 18 months. Um, it's, it, there's weird rules about release dates and things like that because there's a film in here which I know was nominated for last year's BAFTA for Best Foreign Language Film and which ended up being voted for in our Failed Critics Awards for 2012. And that's uh, The Hunt from Denmark, which is a brilliant film. And I'm really pleased that it's made it onto the list. But it feels like it's been out a very... Because I saw it at least 14 months ago in the cinema, so that feels odd. But anyway, um, and Liam, luckily, uh, Liam Pennington has written what is becoming his annual uh, blog for us on the website where he looked at some trailers of the films that were nominated um one of the ones he saw uh, from bosnia and herzegovina or herzegovina what 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 do we what do we like on that herzegovina, I, like say, I, say. I like saying both of them it's a great bosnia and herzegovina um which is their entry which has made it onto the the, the long list an episode in the life of an iron picker uh, which in Liam's words is low on laughs. Um, so <laughs> as you can imagine, um, and then, yeah, just that country you can just imagine is not, not a happy, cheerful place at times. Um, another one from Cambodia, the missing picture, uh, which again, Liam has said, seen it? uh, no, it, the whole, the full film is on YouTube, but without English subtitles. I didn't get it, whatever. So, oh, the missing picture. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm trying to start New Year just by being professional, and that's clearly not going to work. Blasted through my brilliant jokes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Continue. But now we've brought attention to it. That just makes it look even better, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a few big names did make it onto the list. Uh, the Grandmaster from Hong Kong, which, if I remember correctly, Carol Petz uh, saw at London Film Festival and wasn't hugely mm. impressed by. Um, 
but some people are quite like it's got a lot of um harvey weinstein kind of backing behind that uh as i said before the hunt from denmark starring mads mickelson has made it as has a film which is out on dvd next week which a lot of people raved about last year the great beauty from italy directed by paolo sorrentino um so i'm looking forward to seeing that as well uh the uk entry didn't make it on uh, and i know that sounds weird um but apparently metro manila uh, which won a load of awards at the British, the Biffers, the British Independent Film Awards, but I've still not seen. Apparently that wasn't even in the English language. I'm just showing my ignorance there. Um, but there is a link. If you go to failcritics.com, uh, Liam's done a really nice little write-up of it, but there's a link there to Thailand's entry, which didn't make the long list. It's a film called Countdown. I've put the link there, but don't don't click it. <laughs> I know that what that I know exactly what that means to all of you out there, but don't click it. I watched it, and it is a two-minute trailer of utter horror and torture, and oh my goodness me, um, some things just can't be unseen. It's it just look. I I can't imagine watching ninety minutes of this film. <laughs> just two minutes was enough for me, but but part of me kind of wants to. There is, there's a nail gun. There's a weird drug dealer who switches from English to Thai like that. Oh, it's just basically, from what I can gather, it's a group of Thai people living in New York about to celebrate New Year's Eve. And they they call a drug dealer, which they've managed to scrape together some bits of a calling card of his and ring him. And his name is Jesus or Jesus. And he turns up and then decides to wreak merry hell upon the gang. It looks it looks pretty dark. Um, so, yeah, don't watch that. Definitely don't watch that. Um, the only other news I've got, really, uh, is that Steven Seagal is running for, is well, is mulling over a run uh, to become governor of Arizona, um, where he has recently been manning the border like a, a bizarre kind of kung fu farage. Um uh, and what's great is uh, Deadline, the Deadline magazine describes him as the 61-year-old actor, director, writer, martial arts expert, blues musician, Buddhist, and reserve deputy sheriff. And that is one hell of a CV. Uh, I think I'd kind of vote for him. In fact, I want him to run up against Boris Johnson for mayor of London, <laughs> I think. And let's, let's get more movie stars getting into politics, definitely. Which, it cannot go wrong. Which movie star do you think would be better at politics? Oh, um, it's not been involved in politics already. See, I, I genuinely think George Clooney. Um, I, I, he's a good he, front man. Yeah, like George Clooney's the white Obama. You, you yeah, Ides of March sort of covered that a little bit, didn't it? The character he was playing yeah. in that was a little bit of just was a little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> he, he's very liberal. Um, he's very active, as is Matt Damon. And apparently Matt Damon has often been mulling over yeah, movies to politics. Damon's not as good looking. You, you, Damon's like this. You'd want him in the background, probably. doing. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't want him as the face of it. Like Clooney, I don't no. know if I'd want him making the decisions, but I'd probably vote for him. He told me something. Yeah. Um, uh, Patrick Stewart as well. I'd, I'd, I'd love Patrick Stewart to be Prime Minister of, uh, of Great Britain. Wouldn't that be amazing? I always thought Alan Baldwin would be a good politician, a good proper American. Yeah. You know, probably a Republican. Yes. That's the sort of image he would be better at. But you know. Yeah. Which is a shame. But I think. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that, that I, the, the fact is, if Arnie can do it, but anyone can surely. Well, I can pad out the news section a little bit longer if you like. <laughs> I'll go. For it. 
Yeah, and don't, yeah, definitely call it padding out as well. That's Excellent. what we want our new hundreds of listeners to, to know that we're doing. Early early odds for the um for the best picture at the, at the next Oscars. Sing as the book closes on the 12th of January at midnight. Um, this is from Bet365, which is the only online bookmakers I have an account with. And if they're listening, any free stuff would be yeah. <laughs> smooth, smooth. Yeah. Uh, 12 Years a Slave is their favourite at 4 to 11. Mm-hmm. Gra- okay. Gravity second, uh, 10 to 3. American Hustle in third, 15 to 2. Saving Mr. Banks, 22 to 1. Mandela Long to Freedom is a, a bit of an outsider at 33 to 1. Blue yeah, Jasmine, no, Jasmine sixty-six to one. Um, Philomena eighty to one. And the last one they put on their list is August Osage County, one hundred twenty-five to one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I I can't see it. I and I've not seen Twelve Years a Slave yet. That will be our review next <coughs> week. Um. But it's difficult to see it going. It's either going to go to Twelve Years a Slave as the kind of traditional that's the kind of film that the academy likes to uh likes to reward or they might be very brave and go with a science fiction film for the first time in history and go, go with gravity because of what it achieved um it's not likely though th- i mean honestly it, it isn't very likely they'll give it to gravity it's I not think. I, I yeah um yeah I, I it's really difficult to see past 12 years of slave i think I think it's hugely difficult to see past mm. that because um, there's a sense that the two slavery films last year, Lincoln and Django Unchained, didn't really get rewarded. Um, it kind of feels like it's time. Um, there's also, yeah, there's all. I'd also, if I was putting money on uh, anything for Gravity, it'd probably be um, Best Director, possibly, um, or. Uh, Sandra Bullock for Best Actress, possibly, as well. I'd be tempted, now I've not seen the film, mm. I'd be tempted to, to, to stick a, a bit of a you know, £5 bet on Mandela just because he, the, the man himself passed away this year and there might be that kind of feeling towards it if the film's actually, you know, not bad. As an outsider... Mm. I, I think um, I think you're more likely to get that kind of sympathy vote for Idris Elba rather than the film, though. I think you're more likely. I think he's he's more likely to win the award than the film is. He is. He's but, twenty-two to one for best actor. Really? Um, That's where I'd be more likely to put my my cheeky little bet. Same as Leonardo DiCaprio, um, who the Wolf of the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, okay. The only the only category of the main ones: best actor, best supporting actor, best actress, best director, best support. All that one. The only one that um, Twelve Years a Slave hasn't got somebody in the top two favourites is Best Actress, which hasn't got anyone on the shortlist on this website I'm looking at. Um, well, of course, the shortlist isn't out yet, but that's their shortlist, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, they make the shortlist. Yeah. yeah. No, and um, I think uh, I've uh, uh, is it Sarah Paulson uh, who was also in Studio 60? She might is she nom is she named in Best Supporting Actress at all? Um, the only one that Twelve Years a Slave has got in Best Supporting Actress is Lupita uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Okay, who was uh, named today in the uh, BAFTA's Rising Star nominations along with uh, Will Poulter um, and also Leah Sadu from uh, Blue Is the Warmest Color. Uh, so that's quite interesting. Okay. Oh, do you know, I need to actually have a look at that. I need to get my bets on. I didn't get them on before Christmas, so the best prices aren't available. Like last year when I got Argo at 10 to 1. Again, just remind everyone about that. Didn't get anything else right. 
I got that with some good money. Yeah, uh, obviously, I got we'll... everything right and didn't put yeah, anything there, in. Yeah, yeah, so. of course we're going to some kind of competition again. Oh, oh yeah, we'll be covering the Oscars, and um, if one of us can stay awake, we'll probably be live tweeting the damn thing again as well. Apparently, the Golden Globes is being shown on British TV this time for the first time in a few years, so maybe there'll be a little warm up when we do that as well. I've got, I've got odds for that as well. Okay. <laughs> we won't. Is there anything interesting there? No. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Let's move on. Have <laughs> a quick look. No. Okay. Nothing, nothing stand out. Let's go on to the quiz. Okay, so uh, if memory serves me correctly, Steve sitting on a 2-1 lead after coming back from 1-0 down. He could win this and choose a film for us all for next. Steve, have you got a film to make us watch if you win? No, I haven't You're prepared. Not, You're not prepared, are you? <laughs> um, so for, for the sake of um, you know continuity and everything, let's hope Owen wins. And also for the sake of a, a winner-takes-all type clash. So it's here like we if go. Steve then. wins, I'll pick for him. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd love that. Um, okay, we're going back to 2003 with the film SWAT. You're either SWAT or you're not. Um, but... Stop, uh, Owen. Oh fuck. <laughs> Steve controversially said first, stop, yeah. uh, which is <laughs> an interesting way. But... There's one where they say stop. I don't know. Hello, Cool J. <laughs> Wrong. Uh, Owen. Oh, Colin Farrell. Wrong. Oh. Next is Twelve and Holding. Nope, me neither. Mm. Uh, that was in uh, 2005, and then in 2007, 28 weeks later. Steve. Yep. Jeremy Renner. Correct. Oh no way. <laughs> <laughs> Steve takes an unassailable 3-1 lead. Steve, you've got to the end of the podcast. There's a couple of breaks. You can have a quick thing to try and think of a film that me and Owen have to watch. Have you both seen Cutthroat Island? Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Steve's going in for the kill. You bastard. Have you both or not? I've still not seen it yet. No, Owen? If, if I say yes, does that change what answer you're going <laughs> to? Good luck. You, right, both of you. By next week, have to watch Cutthroat Island. Oh, we'll have God. to source Cutthroat Island and then well, they've, watch they've it. been showing it on Film 4 recently, so maybe it'll be on there again or on 4OD <laughs> or something. Yeah, we'll we'll find a way we'll to watch it. After watching it. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Steve's the first one to actually decide to punish us. Uh, it, it was yeah, more, me and Owen yeah. decided to try and find a film we thought everyone would like that was kind of less than 90 minutes long, one of which Steve didn't even bother to watch. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. <laughs> I, I suffered through Cutthroat Island for this website. <laughs> you can do the same. Brilliant. Can't wait. Um, so, yeah, anyone else at home who wants to try and find Cutthroat Island and watch it, yeah, join the conversation next week. It'll be an interesting one. Um, so, yeah, that and also, obviously, next week, control the quiz, hands back to its spiritual home with Steve. And on that note, we'll have a break and be back with what we've been watching. Okay, so we're back with them with what we've been watching. Myself, I've watched plenty of films recently, but none kind of new worth you know worth a new review to anyone. Yeah, I've seen plenty of Pixar films, Home Alone, all these kind of films over Christmas. Not classics. None really worth a new review, as well as Alpha Tapper and various other things I got on Blu-ray for 
Christmas, but I have been watching Lou for the first time, starring Idris Elba, which we'll come on to later with our Long Walk to Freedom review. He is the the title character in Luther, the detective who um, basically seems to be dealing with the, the the very dregs of society, the worst kind of murderers and serial killers, the, the creepiest and the weirdest kind, um, with his supporting cast as well. And he's also obviously got problems in his own personal life, or else it probably wouldn't make for a very good TV show. <laughs> um, he is he is excellent in it. I've seen bits of him in The Wire as well and seen a few films that he's been in, although he's only had kind of minor or smaller roles in the films. I've seen him in like Thor and, and Thor 2 and a few others as well. Um, but he is fantastic in in Luther. Um, play, plays the role excellently. Um, I think both of you have seen it as well, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, no, I, I like Luther a lot. There's something about the way he carries himself isn't there in Luther that is just yeah just brilliant I think it just he, he could play that so um camp or so cheesy or so like cliched but he just he embraces that role brilliantly I think yeah I think um what was quite interesting is I remember uh reading an interview with the creator behind it who basically said he wanted it to have a comic book sensibility uh, and you definitely get that graphic novel feel from it mm-hmm. it's slightly like it's just over the top enough um, to keep you interested. It's dark, mm, and all of these killers around London. Yeah, you know, the fact is, it yeah, it's not realistic in that sense, and that you wouldn't just have ridiculous killer after ridiculous killer after ridiculous killer. Um, and some of the plots are slightly far fetched, but it retains that. Yeah, you, know, you feel like you're in London. Um, and it is kind of slightly over the top characters taking place in a very real situation. Yeah, I mean, uh, and... it's sort of a counterpoint, really, isn't it, to the American crime dramas that we get mm. nowadays, where a lot of yeah. them, most of them, you know, Homeland's quite big, this sort of a global espionage thriller type series. Yeah. And then you get um, things from uh, Scandinavia, you know, The Killing, although that's set in one particular place. It's a very long series, lots of intertwined stories. So it's quite nice to just have something like Luther, which is a proper detective drama. And like you say, just set in a small part of London. Um, I, I think it just looks fantastic as well. Uh, there's that point to, to bring in this vibrancy to, to the mm. UK and to London, which I think just fits yeah. it perfectly and makes it quite unique. Yeah, yeah. And it's got that great thing. It doesn't overstay a welcome as well. Each series about three or four episodes long or something like that. It's not not a huge amount of episodes as well. So they're able to properly hone it and craft it. And not a second of it feels wasted as well. There's no there's no wastage. There's no procedure around it. It's just, you know, it's a, each one's a, almost like a great TV movie. Which is kind of an interesting point to make. It's only just occurred to me, but, you know, Sherlock, I don't watch it, but this series has apparently been slated a little bit from what I've seen. I'd I just say on that, I, I liked the first episode of Sherlock this season. Um, I liked it. I haven't seen the second one yet. I've decided to kind of watch it on catch up. Uh, but I do know that a lot of people weren't happy with it. But I know a few people who loved it. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like to judge judge it until i've seen that one and then until i've seen the the third one as well because you know there's there's obviously an arc of some kind um 
But what I did notice, and someone made this point, actually, there was a load of people tweeting halfway through Sherlock that they didn't get what was going on. It didn't make much sense. And someone said, well, why don't you try watching it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tweet it. Yeah, so I, I, I do kind of, yeah, if someone got to the end and then said, no, I didn't like it, fair enough. But people tweeting halfway through a program that they're not, like, suggest to me they're not paying attention to it they're not giving it and Sherlock's not the kind of program you can watch while looking at your phone let's oh, exactly. be honest I mean it's not exactly take me out or I'm a celebrity no. or anything like that is it I mean you've got to sit there and watch the plot unfold yeah. you know yeah and that kind of, that does annoy me when I hear people moaning about films actually onto it now I'm watching this I'm halfway through it's a bit rubbish and part of me does think if you've just picked up your phone to do that <laughs> fair enough but has your phone been there the entire time and you've just realised that oh, you've missed something, you don't get it because you haven't been paying full attention to it as well. Which comes back, that's why I love watching films in the cinema because even I'm at home, I can be tempted to have a quick look at my phone, check my emails or something like that. If the tension drops for just a bit, and now in my new house, my um, PowerPoint's on the other side of the room, so I put my phone into charge and I physically can't look at it and it's really good and I'm really happy. Yeah, I, it really uh, annoys me when people tweet um while they're watching a film and again like i say that's why i love going to the cinema because you know there's no i think that's the place i pay best attention to a film these days because it's a dark room and i don't get my phone out and i'm I'm kind of forced to pay attention to films oh, that's a bit of a random <laughs> kind of tangent yeah. we went off on there anyway so yeah steve luther keep, are you going to keep going with it to the end then oh definitely yeah um yeah. Yeah. I mean, going back to Sherlock, I watched the first two they've done. I watched the mm. first one of this new series. I can't get on board with it. I don't know what it is. I just can't. I know, um, Liam, uh, who mentioned earlier is not how he calls it Doctor Who in, in a Deerstalker. <laughs> <laughs> He's not happy with what they do. But I, I, I'll be honest, I, I do like it, but I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman anyway. I do like Stephen Moffat. I do like, um, Mark Gatiss. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of feels like it's made for me anyway. So I, I enjoy it. But the uh, the great thing about Luther, and actually the good thing about Sherlock as well, it's not like at the moment I'm just really I know I should watch Breaking Bad and I know I should watch The Wire, but I also know that's like what over a hundred hours of my life that I've done. Whereas the great thing is, if you want to catch up on Luther, that's it. You can do that in a weekend. You've, you've watched all of Luther, um, and it's the same with Sherlock as well. So that's that's quite nice. That's really the major difference between good american tv shows and good british tv shows mm. there's yeah. a lot of episodes in the british one so it's a lot easier to to get in yeah they're almost just like extended um films like there's a great um state of play from uh it's probably about 10 15 years ago now um great uh three-parter with john sim and with uh bill nye and david morrissey brilliant political intrigue and stuff like that and again that's that's three or four episodes you can go you can watch it um the original house of cards is like that as well six episodes a season so it means you can like really get some fantastic stories but you haven't got this whole thing right i've got to devote the next six months of my life to watching this although you could probably which i'm doing with the west wing at the moment you could probably watch more tv if you stop repeating watching the west wing every month <laughs> do, you know, uh, do you know what and I, I'm, this is I, this is actually just my first proper rewatch of The West Wing, um, but it's good enough to deserve it. And I'm going to do The Sopranos at some point soon as well, which is also just the, the finest television program ever made. Until you watch The Wire. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so James, what have you watched this week? 
Okay, yeah, it's not quite this week. I'm I'm going back to just before Christmas because I didn't get to talk about it last time and I just wanted to briefly have a quick chat about Anchorman 2. I think you've seen it as well, haven't you, Owen? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, you have. Yeah, okay. So I saw it on release day and it was quite nice because I saw it in a reasonably full cinema with people who were in a good mood, must have been pre-Christmas cheer or something like that. And that, I think, that really helped my enjoyment of the film. I'm a big fan of the first one. Um, and when I rewatched it back just before I went to see Anchorman 2 with a bit of a critical eye, yeah, bits of it actually shouldn't work. Bits of it probably don't work. But there's enough kind of joy. Yeah, you know, it's one of those where the charisma of the actors kind of brings it through a little bit because <coughs> it is all about basically Will Ferrell being a a funny newsreader. That's, that's all there is in terms of substance to the first round. It's like an extended Saturday Night Live sketch essentially, but it works because for me anyway, and for a lot of people who enjoy it, because the character you can get on board with uh, is funny. Um, but does it work for a second film? Yes and no for me. Um, it's one of those... Again, the bits where it worked were genius, actually. I, I, there were some bits in there that I, I haven't laughed that hard at in the cinema for a long time, actually. Some bits. Some bits of it just fell really, really flat, though. Some bits just didn't work at all. And I, I, I hate to go on about it, but comedy films should not be more than 90 minutes long. What the hell is... And there is no reason on Earth for Anchorman 2 to be two hours long. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. There is, in fact... You could easily just take out, there's a half hour segment in the middle of the film, which you wouldn't even have to click. Just boom, just remove that from the film. Uh, and it, it's job done because it does drag on. It loses some ideas. It repeats some ideas as well. So the great, um, and, and again, when I say great, I mean, I liked it. I know a lot of people don't, don't like Anchorman, don't like Will Ferrell, Ben Stiller, humour, that kind of thing. Um, but in the first film, one of the great scenes for me was the, the aftershave discussion where they talk about sex panther made with bits of real panther. Uh, you know, and that, that's a really nice scene, quite an iconic scene from the first film. And then they basically do a, do a cover version of it, but with condoms this time in the new film. And you just think, oh, you know, you're just doing the same thing here. Bit annoying. Um, even after a little while, even Will Ferrell saying by the something of something, um, gets a little bit tired, although it does open with by the hymen of Olivia Newton John, which was actually that was really yeah. good actually. Uh but you know, they kind of get a little bit stretched and tenuous at times. Um and then there's just some weird kind of musical numbers. And this it, it, it a lot of it did remind me of the original Monty Python series, where some of it is just, you know, little glimpses of it are absolute comic genius. And you think, why has no one done that before? And then other bits of it just feel really derivative. Um but I had fun and I laughed and I enjoyed it. And I, I'm, I'm a bit confused. I'll be honest. I'm a bit confused by people who really liked the first one who said they didn't like the second one at all. Cause to me, it was, I, I don't know what people were expecting. It, it is pretty much the same film again, just a few years later. Um, including the, you know, there's the big epic fight in the first film, which just gets cranked up to ridiculous levels in the second film i'm not going to give away everything that goes on there but uh it was just cameo after cameo after cameo after special appearance and and for me 
that just the ridiculous of that scene meant that it worked. It shouldn't have worked at all, but the the ridiculous amount of people they got in that scene um, being stupid in there. I, I liked that. It made it it tickled my dumbed down lowest common denominator funny bone. And for that, I apologise, but I don't care. I quite enjoyed it. It just should have been shorter. Yeah, I, my main gripe with it is um, not so much the the length of it in particular, but more so that they kind of substituted a lot of the comedy that was, that made up a lot of the first film and mm. started to develop a story that has yeah. more depth to it. And you just think, well, that's not the point of Anchorman. The original yeah. was very good because it was very like most good comedies, very simple premise um, executed with a lot of funny jokes in it. Whereas this one tended to just weigh a lot more into having this this uh, you know redemption story about yeah about Ron Burgundy and it's just, well pff, no one really cares that much just make no. make us laugh that's all we want to see from yeah Batman. I I did like um that you know it, there was some nice skewering of the 24 hour news cycle and cable news uh, you know it, again it wasn't <laughs> particularly hugely original um it's the kind of thing that you know observational comics have probably been talking about for quite a few years and to be honest someone like chris morris or armando ianucci is far more uh kind of you know sharp razor sharp when it comes to satirizing the the media cycle and things like that however there were some nice ideas there and, it, and i I, pre- I would have preferred it stuck to that rather than like you say going into this personal redemption story of ron burgundy and adding almost a kind of hallmark element to, you know a kind of tv movie of the week at times it bordered on um the real life story of ron burgundy mm. which is either um a misguided attempt like you say to add some some character and some drama to it or just the most incredible level of satire that it completely went over my head, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the former. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, you know, it was funny. It was nice to see the... Ca- it's That whole thing, it's nice to see the characters back. It was, it was nice to see Brian Fantana back. Um, it was nice to see... Oh, yeah, I Actually, I thought Brick Tamland was a better character this time. Like, they gave him a lot more to do, obviously, because Steve Carell's a bigger name. Well, than that's it, isn't it? It's... In the original, and so he had a lot more to do in this. But I thought he did it. I thought he did it quite well, considering his character is a really one-note character. He's a stupid man who says inappropriate things. At least there was a bit of, uh, I don't know, there was a bit of, uh, variety to what he had to do. Again, yeah, you know, there were some really, really nice jokes in there. Um, you know, the, I, I'm looking forward to seeing again, uh, you know, the group of people that Brian Fantana <laughs> was hanging out with in LA, um, with, you know, the, you know, lovely jokes about the fact that this happens in the past and you know what happens to all these people that they're talking about. You know, they played with that really nicely. Um, they, yeah, there were some great scenes. A lot of them are in the trailer, I'll be honest. Um, but yeah, it, if you like that kind of humor, I think it, it's not something you have to go to the cinema to. And if I'm honest, I'm a little I was a bit underwhelmed simply because I enjoyed the first film so much but I I laughed a lot in the cinema and that's what its job is there to do it's just a shame there was a bit more extraneous nonsense okay and Owen what have you watched um well kind of ties in a little bit to the um list that we've we've got on the website at the minute about the Oscar nominated films from so you're saying Anchorman 2 then? No. <laughs> I, was, I was looking for these South no Korean links to Anchorman no 2. Link there, no. But I've watched a lot of um, South Korean films recently, kind of stemming from watching Old Boy at the cinema. 
and then re-watching the original Park Chan-wook version of the film. Um, when, when was that? That was probably mid-December, wasn't it? When old yeah, boy came. Uh, yeah. So since then, I've kind of been watching a lot of um, other South Korean films, a lot of other revenge thrillers, a lot of crime dramas, trying to branch out and watch lots of different other types of film because they make more than just revenge thrillers, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, I've tried to watch a few of the films. I'm going to just very briefly skim over some of them. Like I've done in the past with, you know, silent films and things like that. I'm just going to very briefly skim over some of them. And to be extra patronising, I'm going to compare some of the films to films that you get in the West, more popular films, just so people can sort of decide whether, you know, that's seen by their sort of thing. So the first film I'm going to talk about is a film called Brotherhood, um, which was released in 2004. It's a bit like Saving Private Ryan. It's one of these um, war epics. Uh, It follows two brothers who get drafted during the Korean War in the 1950s. Um, It's about two hours long, two hours, ten minutes, something like that. But it's really moving. Got me choked up a few times. Perhaps a little heavy on the anti-communist propaganda side, but, you know, no worse than perhaps Saving Private Ryan is on the anti-Nazis side, you know. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's fair enough. It's really good. Um, war drama definitely recommend it if that's your kind of your kind of film and just interesting to see that side of of the war really just to see how the korean war developed and the, the real people that were swept up in it so it's very interesting the next film i'm going to talk about is... hey, just to say owen i've seen that as well and it's a really good yeah some bits of it are quite harrowing oh as yeah well. definitely it's, it's a really really yeah it's yeah, but it's a wonderfully shot film uh, and a brilliantly acted film as well. No, I'd, I'd mm. recommend that definitely. Yeah, great. It, it, oh, but yeah, I mean, just going back to the sort of violence in it, mm. I think it's one of these things where you have to just put it down to, as a lot of Korean directors have said, violence has played a huge part in their recent history. And so yeah. to eliminate that from their films wouldn't be... It, it, it's like yeah, Quentin no, Tarantino's defence, isn't it? To, to have not have that in yeah. in a film um, about their history would, wouldn't be a fair or accurate representation. It's part so. of their national make. And when when you think they've got a country right on their border with nukes <laughs> pointed at them yeah. permanently, that's going to affect your national psyche. It's going to affect oh, yeah, your, exactly. your, your, your culture uh, and things like that. And like you say, it's not that they have to do every film like that, but it's, there's always going to, that's, that's going to be part of the makeup of everyone making those films. So you can't really kind of blame them, no. Exactly, yeah. So the next film I'm going to talk about is completely different to that. It's called Memories of a Murder. Very highly rated South Korean film. Um, I suppose if I'm going to have to compare this to something else, then it's probably a similar vein to Seven, although not really a lot like that. It's just that sort of hunting, um, cops hunting a serial killer type film. Um, probably my favourite Korean actor is in it, though, Song uh, Kang-ho who's been in a few Park Chan-wook films as well. He's in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and he plays the vampire in Thirst. I think I've spoken about him before as well. He's in, he's in the, uh, the Host, which I mentioned on mm-hmm. the <laughs> podcast before the end of year review. But anyway, yes. him. Yeah, so he's in absolutely loads of Korean films, uh, and it's just brilliant in all of them. Um, didn't go through any acting school, apparently. He's just one of these guys who went to one of nice. his local drama clubs, and then he's just massive in Korea. But, um, yeah, he plays a local cop who's um, teamed up with another guy and he's puts in the best performance I've seen him in. Probably the best from any individual Korean guy I've seen since Choi Min-sik in Old Boy. Um, mm. He's just just fantastic actor. It's all about, like I say, the hunt for this serial killer. And it doesn't shy away from anything, but it doesn't become overtly graphic either. 
it's it is literally about the pursuit of this man um who you see as well you see him he's at, at certain points you see what he's doing um but yeah it's just brilliant great less mystery but more of a sort of uh, again i suppose a vengeance story but yeah really good really just fantastically written um script to it and yeah other film i want to talk about is a film called new world um which i was really impressed by but i tweeted about it earlier um and apparently it didn't go down that well with everyone <laughs> i'm really surprised about that but it's sort of like infernal affairs if it meets uh goodfellas you know it's kind of an it's a gangster film um but you've got the the, the cop who's infiltrated a gang sort of story it, in fact it's a no to a lot of those gangsters gangster films it's absolutely one of the best i've ever seen um if i'd have seen it before we did our end of year reviews it probably would have made my top five films of, of 2013 wow it's just fantastic um <clears throat> and in fact Choi min sik who i mentioned earlier he he's in this he plays the main cop oh and he's exceptional i thought he was just mm. absolutely brilliant as he is in everything you know he's always good he's also got lee jung jay uh as the, as the protagonist of the story um who's the guy who's working for the gang but also a secret you know infiltrated is a mole in the gang for mm -hmm. the police and nobody knows about him really apart from Choi min six character so that's where it draws on this infernal affairs story um but yeah i i, I thought it was brilliant it's Honestly, one of the best gangster films I've seen for ages. Absolutely ages. It's just brilliant. Um, next film I'm going to quickly skim over is called The Housemaid, um, which was released in 1960, I think. But it's only recently been restored. Uh, right. It's 2010 that it was restored, thanks to the power and influence of one Mr. Scorsese. Uh, oh. Yeah. It's a psychological thriller, uh, stroke drama, I guess. Um which is about a husband uh, and a father who's corrupted by a housemaid. Uh, or I suppose it's also the way that he corrupts the housemaid as well. So there's, uh, it's a very clever script there, two very cleverly, uh, intelligently written characters. Really quite a dark story as well, very pessimistic about, uh, about uh, masculinity and about man's power over a woman and vice versa as well. It's not, it's not completely anti male anti-female it's it's a very cleverly interwoven story with that i saw it on movie so if you've got access to movie yeah it's it's definitely worth a watch oh cool oh have you signed up to movie then have you um... yeah it was on my i got it on oh, my nice. playstation so it was the first film yeah. i've seen on it uh, oh, okay yeah really good i like movie a lot yeah yeah it's the first like i say first time i've really used it and i was surprised actually that i was having a look through and you look at the free films on there and you think mm. Yeah, some I yeah. probably wouldn't bother watching some of these. And as you go through, you go, oh, there's, oh, I would watch that one. Then you go, oh, no, that one's quite good. Oh, I'd watch that one as well. So there's yeah. there's quite a lot in there actually. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, um, final two that I'm going to talk about are by a director called Kim Ji Won. Now, I don't know if either of you remember one of the first films I reviewed on the podcast was I Saw the Devil. Uh, I was going to ask you about that because I've managed to pick that up second hand for a couple of quid nice. uh, from a charity shop and I just wanted to check. I need to watch that very soon, yes? Absolutely, very, very soon, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah well, these cool. these two films are by that same director. Okay. So I've seen five of his films now. I think, in fact, I think they're his only five feature films. One of them was The Last Stand with Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm -hmm. which I watched last year. Um, You're a big fan of, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> But the first film of his that I'm just going to mention is called The Good, The Bad and The Weird, which is also quite a popular film from South Korea. 
I've uh, heard of it. Yeah, yeah, lots of people have heard of it. It's kind of like um, a comedy caper, spoofing westerns, uh, but it's better than the sum of its parts. So it makes it seem like it's quite a trivial film, but it's actually got a really good story, uh, really good characters in it as well, and Song Kang-ho is in it as well, so it can't go wrong, really. Um, is it better than Shanghai Nights, then? Much better than Shanghai Nights. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, that's all we need to know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. It's got a lot of hype about it. It wasn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be, but it's still quite fun. Um, in fact, my wife said it was better than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I disagree entirely. Um, Whoa. Yeah. That's a that's a big call. Yeah, it's a very big call. But I, you know, I, it was quite a fun film. But yeah. the second and final film that I'm going to talk about from Kim Ji Won is um, probably my favourite Korean film. Now, I've seen. About 20, I think, 2025, something like that. It is just utterly beautiful. It's called A Bittersweet Life. Um, stars Lee Byung-hun, who people might know from the G.I. Joe films. He was Snake Eyes mm-hmm. in the G.I. Joe films. Uh, he's also in I Saw the Devil, and he's fantastic in that. And he's in Good and Bad the Weird, and he's good in that as well. Um, he's just a brilliant actor. But he's um, plays a gangster whose gang have turned on him, particularly the crime boss has turned on him after he falls for the boss's girlfriend. He's sent on a detail to make sure that she's not sleeping around with anyone, and he ends up falling for her. Um, his job is, if she does fall for, if she does, you know, go with someone else, he's meant to kill her and the person she's with, and he decides not to, at which point sort of revenge is exacted on him. He also pisses off a lot of the wrong people, um, but it's just, it, I mean, it is a ferocious story. I mean, you, when you're watching it, it is, you're captivated by it, but you wince a lot of times. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything in particular, um, but there's a burial scene, which was just frightening. I, I, again, though, like Kim Ji Woon's other films, it's, it looks stunning. Everything in it looks stunning. There were camera angles in it that you don't see in other Korean films, particularly, um, any of these sort of revenge thrillers, it's just so uh, polished. Um, and it's odd because this is one of his first films as well, A Bit of Sweet Life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's been a very good director for his whole career. Um, but yeah, I just had to, I couldn't take my eyes off it till the end. I started watching it, I think I started watching it about half 11 at night, and I thought, I'll try and give it a go now, and then I might get tired and I'll come back to it later. But I ended up just watching it all the way through. I just couldn't stop it. It's one of those films. It's just, I mean, like its main character as well, like Lee Byung-hun, it's just so bloody cool. You know, he's <laughs> just a, he's just a brilliant actor playing a very, very good character. Um, and yeah, it's just very cool. It's very harrowing, as I've said, um, but I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, yeah. And on Letterboxd, I've put up a list. Uh, if anyone wants to find me on there, my username's just ohughes86. But I've put up a list of the, the Korean films I've seen and that I've ranked, and I will keep adding to it um, as I'm watching more. But I'm always looking for recommendations as well. So if anyone wants to tweet them to me or post it on there, then please do. I'm sort of come to the end of the number of films that I <laughs> that I can get hold of on streaming services. So I'm uh, happy to take recommendations for good films if I can buy them on DVD. Cool. I also got the uh, Blu-ray for Thirst in a charity shop as well uh, over Christmas, so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna get stuck into your list shortly then, Owen. Yeah. Well, Thirst was top of my list until I watched. Um, okay. Uh, oh, until I watched good. a bit of Sweet Life. It's really good. Uh, it's it's when you watch it, 
to start with, it seems a bit peculiar because it's just a vampire story at, at its heart. Um, but it's yeah, uh, well, you'll see when you watch it. It's a bit hard to explain, <laughs> but yeah, it's very good. Uh, excellent. So that's all for um, what we've been watching, and that next we've got our new release review. Our first new release review for this week is American Hustle, starring Christian Bale, um, Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, Amy Adams, pretty much everyone (laughs) in Hollywood is in this, apparently. Um, Here's a clip. I told you not to put metal in the science shuttle. What'd you do that for? Don't make such a big deal. Just get another one. I don't want another one. I want the one that Carmine gave me. Oh, Carmine. I want the one that Carmine gave me. Carmine, Carmine. Why don't you just marry Carmine? Get a little gold microwave and put it on a chain around your neck. You want to be more like Carmine? Why don't you build something like he does? Instead of all your empty deals, it's just like your fucking science oven. You know, I read that it takes all of the nutrition out of our food. It's empty, just like your deals. Empty, empty. It's not bullshit. I read it in an article. Look, my Paul Verdure brings something into this house that's gonna take all the nutrition out of our food and then light our house on fire. Thank God for me. Okay, so that was a clip of American Hustle then, which both me and James have seen, but I believe Owen hasn't seen this one. No, I haven't. I was just saying, what did what did you make of it? Do you know what? I've I've seen it twice. I've actually <laughs> seen it twice this week. Um, because I liked it that much. Genuinely, uh, really, really enjoyed it. It reminded me of um Scorsese's Goodfellas in all the best ways. It felt like a loving tribute to that kind of film, and and. I think as I mentioned in the triple bill on our very first podcast, Goodfellas is the kind of film that I can watch every day for the rest of my life. And this felt like a, a really good, honourable homage to that. Um, probably best to outline the, the plot quick. Yeah, no, I'm happy to. I'm happy to do that if you want, Steve. Yeah. Um, well, just say it's it's the latest film from David O. Russell, um, who directed last year's Silver Linings Playbook, and it reunites him with his Silver Linings alumni Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper, along with two of the stars of The Fighter, which was obviously Christian Bale and Amy Adams. It tells the sort of real life story. It says at the beginning. Um, some of these things actually happened with a little credit card. Um, the sort of real life story of the FBI abscam uh, operation, which led to the FBI recruiting a real life con man to uh, help them investigate corruption by congressmen, senators and politicians. Um, That's pretty much it's basically a a grifter movie. It's a con movie um, set in the 1970s as well, set in the late 1970s. Great uh, period uh, for cinema at the moment. We've had Argo recently, Rush, of course, as well. This is another true life story from the, the end of the 70s. Uh, one thing that I would, really shocked me right at the beginning, it opens up with a, a few minutes just focusing on Christian Bale putting on the most elaborate comb-over toupee that I have ever seen. Um, and the great thing is it opens up on his gut, and at first I thought, oh, my God, they put a fat suit on Christian Bale. And then, of course, I thought, no, that can't, hang on, this is Christian Bale, isn't it? And I went and read, yeah, Christian Bale put on 40 pounds 
to play this role. And the man is demented. Yeah, but I mean, um, after all those years playing Batman, where you've got to stay. Yeah. How many years? <laughs> how many years were the Batman films apart? So for um, they were. What was it? In total, about eight years in total for, for yeah. the three th- films. So for pretty much all that time, he's got to stay in amazing shape to play Batman. He probably just picked this role so he could get fat. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the thing is, before this film, there was a trailer for Out of the Furnace in which he's playing a really kind of wiry, and he has to go and be a bare knuckle boxer or something like. And it's just the man. Uh, I, I really, really admire his commitment. Yeah, you you've got to say, and he looks the part in this as well. And apparently on set, because um, Robert De Niro's got a a small role in this, another Silver Linings Playbook alumni, um, and he had to be reintroduced to Christian Bale because he didn't recognise him when they first sat down to do a scene together. Uh, David O. Russell had to go over to De Niro and go, by the way, that was Christian Bale you were just talking to. I don't know if you recognised him, and he didn't because it is a huge. Um, kind of, if you know it's Christian Bale, because you go into the film knowing that Christian Bale is the lead in a film, but if you went into this completely fresh, you would have been. I think you're really, really surprised. And it's quite a brave opening, actually, just spending a few minutes watching Christian Bale glue a toupee to his head and then comb a comb over over it and do up his shirt. It's it's a great opening to a film. It it looks just looks very cool, and all the main characters are just very cool. Yeah, and it's got, again, it's got that whole Goodfellas vibe as well. Yeah, you know, it's something that I got from the trailer, and I was hoping it would have, uh, and it really does. Yeah, you know, he he looks great. Um, basically, throughout the you know the early part of the film is that uh, he plays Irving uh, Rosenfeld, who is a kind of con man, and he meets uh, a girl called Sydney Prosser, played by Amy Adams. They become kindred spirits. They start conning people together, start grifting. Uh, only it turns out that he's married. He's already got a wife played by Jennifer Lawrence. They get caught by an FBI agent uh, played by Bradley Cooper. And then from then on, the film opens up on them having to work for the FBI. And that's the kind of central conceit uh, behind the film. Um, yeah, I, I'd say it is, it's glamorous. It's glitzy. Um, soundtrack is fantastic in this film i have to say i absolutely love the soundtrack and you know i'm a big fan of a good soundtrack in a film you've got well there's two uh sequences one which uses elton john's um goodbye yellow brick road which is fantastic and the best use of um uh, paul mccartney and wings uh live and let die a fantastic scene uh, featuring Jennifer Lawrence and the use of Live and Let Die. Donna Summers, I Feel Love, is used to brilliant effect as well. It's just a really, really classy, flashy film. And I'll be honest, I'm a bit surprised <coughs> some of the people who've said they're a bit bored by it. Some people are just miserable, though, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad to see you agree with me on that one. Um, what is quite interesting is apparently a few of the scenes were improvised. And at one point, Christian Bale said to uh, David R. Russell, you realise we've just improvised a scene, you like it, but that's going to change something further down the line. Apparently, David R. Russell said, I'm not interested in plot, I'm interested in characters. Um, so there, there is an element in, in the fact that it's a con con movie. 
I think I'll be honest. I, when I watched it the second time round, it held together for me. That uh, that was that was the most impressive thing for me about the film was it held together on the second viewing. It's got really really good backup cast as well. Jeremy Renner uh, plays this um, New Jersey mayor, uh, this politician who's got a heart of gold but is kind of caught out in the wrong place. I used to by see cut- Jeremy Renner in, in like a non-action role. Yeah, he's he's properly acting in this. He's really good as well. Yeah, really um, good, but like kind of catches you by surprise to see him not yeah because the only films i know him from are action films the, the newborn film and um uh the avengers obviously and Hurt locker yeah uh, the town as well yeah no no i agree with you oh um mission impossible ghost protocol as well yeah no i agree with you it's, it's good to see him just just playing playing a, a new jersey politician it's great. another really great character in it is uh, louis ck turns up he plays bradley cooper's boss and there's this great little um period where and there's this great running joke where basically he keeps trying to uh, give this analogy of a, an ice fishing story when he was younger and bradley cooper just keeps interrupting him and trying to guess what the moral of the story is and that's like this running joke through it which there's some really really funny bits in it that's the other thing about this film. i, I find it hilarious at times in the cinema there were people laughing out loud including me uh, and there's just this one line that christian bell delivers about um jennifer lawrence where he uh, describes her character as the Picasso of passive-aggressive karate, which is just this wonderfully sculpted line. Um, It didn't mean anything to me. (laughs) The the other thing, Jennifer Lawrence steals virtually every scene she's in. (laughs) I think I mentioned this on Twitter. After I went to see it, I genuinely feel honoured to be kind of alive and watching films, watching this actress develop, I, I honestly think she is going to become one of the all-time greats. She is absolutely fantastic in this. You cannot take your eyes off of her. And this is in a film where Christian Bale is also putting in one of his best performances of recent years. Um, and it, do you know what? It's really nice to see Christian Bale doing a performance like this because I have got used to him being Batman. He was a good Batman. And I liked the Batman films. But he wasn't really... It wasn't hugely challenging acting into, it was physically challenging I can imagine he suffered a lot of injuries didn't he but this is him actually putting in a proper acting performance and he's fantastic to watch in this as well um, no, no I, I, I cannot recommend it enough it was I, I'm really stuck I've noticed that I was I was very generous on my scores last year when I was totting up my um, films on Letterboxd that I used. And so I've I've initially put this down as a four star, but I think it's suffered because I've told myself off for um, putting down too many four and five star films last year. So I've marked it down um, because I was too generous last year. And that's not fair. It's a five star film. I need to go back and change it. Loved it. Um, If it had had its original kind of December release, this would have been in my top five for last year. Think I'd well, I'd have to agree as well. Wow, there we go. <laughs> I, so I Owen. wasn't really that looking forward to it because just I didn't. Re- Silver Linings Playbook was all right, but mm. I I just didn't get the the praise it got really, or why it received so much praise. So with good. David O. Russell. Oh, oh, sorry, no Silver Linings Playbook. No, I agree with you on Silver Linings Playbook. Um, I it's the one David O. Russell film I'm not a big fan of yeah. at all. I like, I really like the Fighter. Um, I really like I Heart Huckabees and I really, really like Three Kings. Um, so for me, Silver Linings Playbook is the odd one out 
Okay. Despite the fact that everyone seemed to love it. Yeah. Well, that's the only one that I've of his that I've seen, and it was the most recent one. So I thought mm. Mm, American Assault trailer <laughs> didn't really grab me either. Um, but you know, maybe I'm I'm wrong. I should go and see it then. I think you should. Yeah. I mean, you you are, you've got an unlimited card. You should go and see it anyway. <laughs> Uh, so that was our review of American Hustle. Um, our next new release review is Mandela, The Long Walk to Freedom, starring Idris Elba, star, uh, seen by both James and Owen. Here is a clip. We will fight for our freedom. If they want a war, we will give them a war. Okay, so that was our clip of uh, Mandela Long Walk to Freedom. Um, incidentally, I, I didn't realise this until I heard an interview with Idris Elba that man, the, the, the announcement of Mandela's death actually came out while the premiere was taking place for this. And he mm-hmm. and the producer had to go on stage after the film and, and kind of tell everyone. Yeah, almost, almost, you know, kind of weirdly, tragically perfect timing, wasn't it? That's... Uh... Uh, you know, and and obviously they haven't done it cynically, um, but that can't help have helped with the uh, promotion of the film and getting people to see it and things like that as well. Um, I I I didn't realise how long ago the book was written as well because it's based on a book that you wrote in the mid nineties, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a real it's an interesting film. Um, I I'll be honest. I think the film, this film is about the performances more than anything else. Um, the actual film and two, you know, two and a half hour film, I thought was a little bit, dare I say it, boring. I was going to say, is this a film that's more about the act, the actors and how good they are? Well, Owen, you've seen it as well, haven't you? What? Um, I wasn't bored. I didn't find any of it boring. In fact, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was for for it's very tough for a biography mm. or a biopic, you know, to 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 be able to follow the one person it's supposed to follow, to give you mm. enough detail about them, make them seem real and not just a mm. movie character, and to have a story that develops that keeps you interested around that. And I thought it did it very well. Um, you know, it reminded me a lot. I suppose it's going to remind a lot of people of Gandhi. And I thought, um, particularly in in terms of Idris Elba's performance mm-hmm. compared to uh, Ben Kingsley's as Gandhi, mm-hmm. I thought they were both pretty comparable, really. Um, they both make the film because of how good they are. Uh, they both have just these iconic people to to, to play and these bit larger than life characters. I, I also I think perhaps what I find quite interesting. I don't know an awful lot about the ANC. Um, mm. Obviously, we we know about like, apartheid and yeah. you know, and uh, that's all been very well documented over the years. But to his sort of background, where he came from, I knew he was a um, like Gandhi as well. I knew he was um, a solicitor. I didn't really know how much of an influence that was on on his actions and why he became the man he was and so on. So I found it all very fascinating. I, I was sort of glued to it. I, I I would say that the first hour for me, I really enjoyed. Uh, and like you, I didn't know much about his background and the ANC. And the, the first hour is actually some really uh, there's some fantastic period pieces there. Um, it really evokes a time that I've 
I've got no mm. experience of, and I really enjoyed it. The trouble for me um, is that once he goes to prison, and again, I feel bad because he clearly it's a his life is a fascinating story. Okay, I just don't think I I I didn't think it worked cinematically in the sense that once he goes to prison, um, I'm sure it was I'm sure it was you know brilliantly moving writing of him. You know, at the time, it just, I, to me, it just felt like a bit like a made-for-TV version of Shawshank Redemption at times. <laughs> yeah, it it what it felt. I I just felt like I was all oh, right. He's in prison now. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna. The fact is, I'd rather read what he was writing in prison than like have this kind of hacked up, made for made for TV screens version of what he did in prison. If you see, because uh, up until he goes to prison, it's a fascinating story. For me, fascinating story. I didn't know about too much about his background. I love how they introduce him as a lawyer. Um, there's this great little early scene where he's in court defending a black woman accused of um, a black woman yeah. accused of thieving, and he just uses a, a little bit of charm and a little bit of you know kind of street smarts to to win that case. And that was that was a lovely you know bit there. Uh, you know, early scenes with his family and things like that. Great stuff. Um, showed me a South Africa I hadn't really seen before. Um, gave me more of an understanding around the townships and really just how absolutely terrible apart. You know, and I know that sounds really stupid. Oh yeah, of course apartheid was terrible, but until you have it kind of shown right in your face about the attitudes of white South African people, not not every single one of them, but it was the majority of them. Uh, their attitudes towards black people, uh, you know, calling uh, all of them boy and stuff mm. like that. Yeah, just watching that, that that really, really did affect me quite a lot, actually. And some of the early prison scenes as well did affect me. I just felt I I didn't get enough of who is Nelson Mandela once he went through. I didn't get enough of, I, I didn't feel I got given enough of why did he become the person he did? Why did he go against the... Um, you know his his prison mates essentially. He, uh, the the fact is the ANC want, didn't want him to be negotiating with the government, and all I got from that was he thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I think that was that was a scene which was meant to show you him becoming a leader. I think before mm. that you'd seen he was you know he did his whole speech about you know everyone's a finger but together they're a fist kind yeah. of thing. That was the moment where he sort of stepped up and said. I have to do this for the for better mm. for the good of the country. Um, I quite like that scene. Okay. I thought that was a very good scene, and it was it it could easily have been edited out. Um, yeah. It was one of those scenes where you think perhaps the you know other than the fact that it it, it showed you um, Mandela moving into the final chapter of his story, mm-hmm. um, and that was the sort of full stop to the rest of it and the capitalization of the rest of the, the film if you like that's where he became the president mandela i think and that was the moment <laughs> yeah, he no, took charge. no no that's that's fair enough i think I, it, it just I, don't, I, I do like historical biopics um and it just i it just felt for me like uh it, the, the true life story just didn't it doesn't fit a hollywood narrative as such um, and that's not the fault of the story uh, at all. And that's not really the fault of the filmmakers because they've obviously been very faithful because uh, they both based it on his book. They've been very faithful. I, I just felt that it 
in terms of a cinematic experience. It, maybe it would have been better done by HBO as a TV series, you know, given a bit more room to breathe and things like that. It, just, it, it felt a little bit rushed for me towards the end, despite the fact that it's a long film. I felt there was more that I could have been told. I it, felt there was more I could have looked at. I think that the TV thing might be it's a quite a British production. I felt it was mm. you know the British director. You've got the, it's two stars of British, and I just thought mm. it was a little bit BBC at times. Yeah, you know. Um, what what I will say I did enjoy and I learned some more about it is I didn't really know too much about Winnie Mandela mm. apart from the fact that I was I've been led to believe she was just this mad woman. Uh, you know, they kind of, yeah, you'd be, oh yeah, it's mad old Winnie Mandela kind of thing. And obviously he uh, later divorced her and uh, found love with someone else. <laughs> but actually, the, the scenes with Naomi Harris as uh, Winnie Mandela, getting an understanding into what she went through when he was in prison. I had no idea she'd even been to prison. So that that yeah that in itself was a learning experience. And she was very good as well. Uh, Naomi Harris, I think, was brilliant. And you have to say, Idris Elba was fantastic. He yeah he. He really did. I, I, I didn't feel like I was watching Luther for a start. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I felt like I was watching uh, Nelson Mandela. It, it, the fact that I didn't really know what Nelson Mandela. I only know Nelson Mandela as being this seventy-year-old man. You know, he came out of prison when I was about nine or ten. That's that's my first real experience. So I've only ever known him as an old man. So you've got this nice bit where I don't know what he looked like when he was younger. So you can you can do a bit there but it, i wasn't there what thinking this is idris elba it helps that he had a south african accent i suppose <laughs> uh, uh and he had a very particular way of talking you know there's a real kind of cadence to his uh speech which felt like it was nelson mandela it it it's a bit like um when we're talking about Michael Douglas doing Liberace. Mm. I can't remember really what Liberace looked like or how he talked, but Michael Douglas was doing it how I expected him to. And it's the same with Idris Elba. I don't know how young Nelson Mandela talked, but he talked in a way that I expected young Nelson Mandela too. So it added to that credibility. And it comes back to a point that was raised at the beginning of the podcast, really. Um, in you know, is he going to get an Oscar for his performance? How much I'm of that? Yeah, much of it is, you know, cynical. Um, well, Mandela's died, so it's sort of the sympathy uh, nod, if you like. I don't think that's true. It really was that good. I think yeah, it's very, very good performance. I that that and like I say, Steve, if you go stick your money anywhere, don't put it on the film. Uh, put it on, put it on the actor. I reckon because that he, he's he's great in this. He's really not seen Twelve Years a Slave yet, uh, but. You know, Idris Elba at least deserves his nomination because it's a, you know, which I'm sure will come, uh, because it's a, it's a cracking performance, really, really good performance, and like I say, great to see Idris Elba doing something in a big, high-profile film that's not kind of actiony film or where he's one of the periphery characters because he's a great actor, very good actor, yeah, I think he's very underrated as, as an actor. But you know. what, um. What is our review for next week, or what is up for review next week? Uh, up for review next week is Twelve Years of Life. <laughs> That's the big one we've got coming out next week, uh, and the week after it's going to be The Wolf of Wall Street. So we've we've got award films coming up week by week now. This is this is the season where all the award films get shown on British screens. So I, I love January. <laughs> January. Just to say, um, there's a couple of films that we haven't been able to get out to. Uh, as everyone knows, Owen is a huge fan of the Paranormal Activity series, 
And Owen, your local Cineworld not even bothering to show. No, I know. Um, Gutted. The marked ones. I could um, pay a tenner to go and watch it at view, but I'm not that desperate. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you probably made the right decision. Um, we asked some of our listeners and followers on Twitter for <laughs> reviews of the new releases this week. And um, uh, luckily, at Stakeheed, uh, which is Paul Fisher, pointed us in the direction of at um, CRWEXE, Christopher Wood who said that Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, is categorically the worst movie he's ever seen, uh, which is, that's a good start, isn't it, Owen? Does that fill mm. you with joy? <laughs> I, I have seen other people saying that it's one to watch on DVD when it comes to okay. it rather than at cinema. Okay. So, you know. Um, uh, uh, one of uh, Mike Shawcross, at Shawkey 1969 he said he enjoyed Last Vegas. Uh, he laughed a lot more than he did at Anchorman 2. In particular, Kevin Klein and Morgan Freeman were great. So last, I've heard that Las Vegas actually isn't that bad. I expected it to be terrible. It looks terrible. Uh, <laughs> it does look absolutely shockingly bad, but I've heard it's not a disaster. Um, and a couple of people on uh, American Hustle at Simon Kowski said American Hustle was excellent and insane cast too. And um, where would we be without nepotism? So uh, at Kate Diamond. Uh, says that American Hustle was like they made an entire film out of the helicopter and tomato sauce scene in Goodfellas. <laughs> I loved it. Layla Piano exit. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, there we go. Um, few differing views there. Um, yeah, but next week, 12 Years a Slave. Really, really excited by this. Uh, I've loved the first two Steve McQueen films. I can't wait. Excellent. Um, right, on to recommendations then. Uh, I'll go first on Friday night on More 4 is a film it's fantastic although I've not seen for a long time Saving Private Ryan okay. is that More 4 did you say? More 4 yes it's four, four, one of the okay. better weeks most weeks when I look on um, on TV for films terrestrial TV or preview whatever there's not a lot but this week there is loads you will definitely find so I won't bother going through the list because could, I could go five films a day but there is loads on, but that is my pick of the lot. And uh, James, what about you? Uh, yeah, as ever, I'm, I've gone to the DVD section of Amazon here. And uh, next week, um, one of the few horror films I've enjoyed of recent years, uh, not as good as The Conjuring, but last year, I actually quite enjoyed, I had a lot of fun watching Your Next. Um, that's out on DVD on Monday. Uh, it stars Charlie Vincent, Nicholas Tucci. It's about it's a home invasion horror film with apparently a bit of a twist. Yeah, it, you'll probably see the twist coming a mile off. I don't know. It, I just I thought it was a good, fun slasher film that didn't take itself too seriously. Had a bit of fun. And if you're into that kind of 90 minute, slightly self referential home invasion slasher film, then this is the one to go for. You're next. Okay, and uh, Owen? Um, well, I'm going to go uh, to uh, Love Film Instant then. Uh, we've had TV, we've had DVD, let's have some some, some, some films online. Um, and because I watched a lot of Korean films and I use Love Film Instant to watch a few of them, uh, I'm going to recommend a couple off there. So the, you've got The Man From Nowhere, which is um, a very good... I think I might have reviewed that on here as well, actually. The Man From Nowhere, mm. yeah, just a very good... Um, Revenge thriller. You've also got I Saw the Devil on there, as well as Old Boy. So if you've not seen either of those before, maybe just a chance. Um, but I'm also going to pick a, a couple as well that I've talked about earlier. The Chaser, which I mentioned, which is a great, really good uh, thriller, along the same lines as, as The Man from Nowhere, actually. So if you like one, then watch the other. 
Um, and also, uh, just to throw something a bit different out there, I'm going to pick I'm a Cyborg, which is a Park Chambwick film, um, which is one of his lesser known ones, I think, which is a very bizarre, weird sort of fantasy love story set inside a mental asylum, which is great. Isn't it? Isn't its full title I'm a Cyborg and it's okay? Yeah, I'm a like Cyborg, that. but yeah. that's okay. But, it, but that's yeah. okay, yeah. I like that. I just like the title, yeah. to be honest. It's great. Yeah, very good film. Okay, uh, well, I think that's all for um, this week's podcast then. Um, thank you for listening. Website is www.failcritics.com. We're on Twitter as well, at failcritics, and we're on Facebook. Um, we appreciate all your feedback, all your comments, so please send them in to us and join us again at the same time next week. The Failed Critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman and Owen Hughes with original music provided by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics and on Twitter at at failedcritics. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.